Hey everybody, welcome to What Does the Bible Say About That? In this episode, Will and I, we're going to talk about, uh, or we're going to do our second part on this topic of the Spirit. We're going to be looking at how the Spirit functions in the New Testament. So, I hope you guys enjoy that the Spirit really changes His function in the New Testament. We're going to be looking a lot at 1 Corinthians 15, uh, Christmas Story with Matthew 1, um, a lot of other other cool points um, regarding what the Spirit is doing post-Jesus' resurrection. So, get your Bibles out. Hope you all enjoy. Hey, Will. Hey. Here we go. How's it going? Here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's going good. Same yeah. Old, same old. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how yeah. many times I have to say the quarantine life, but it's the mm-hmm. quarantine life. <laughs> yep. Quarantine life. You know, actually, I've noticed a lot of other people have started doing podcasts during quarantine life. It seems to be a a thing for people. Yeah. Well, I'd well, I'd love to go ahead and just take credit for them copying us yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah no, because they've all been listening in to ours that's, that's mm. what it is it, they have and honestly <laughs> a lot of them have been donating <laughs> <laughs> we've stopped doing our donations yeah at the end we got to bring that back. i'll bring it back I'm, i'll make sure to bring it back in this episode oh man yeah what is it oh www.wedonttakeyourmoney.com yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly all right. Well, we should get into it before we waste another three minutes. While okay. Again. <laughs> um, okay. I'll what introduce, are we talking about yeah. today? Yeah, there we go. We <laughs> are talking about the spirit part two, mainly part the two. spirit in the New Testament, who he is, mm-hmm. what he does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because last week we ended with talking about, I mean, you know, the spirit has a particular role in the Old Testament. He comes upon people. He um, comes upon the prophets, the kings. He empowers people like Samson. But his work is limited to that kind of outward clothing, empowering mm-hmm. work. So New Testament G- or spirit is totally different. So I'm, I'm excited to get into it. it she's yeah. good. No, I'm pumped. Yeah. I, actually, I, I learned quite a few things getting into this. Yeah. Answered some questions. Yeah. And honestly, I still have some. <laughs> well, good. That'll, we, can, we can talk through them then. It'll be good. Um, well, I think maybe, maybe to start us off, we could just read um, where the Spirit's first mentioned in the New Testament. And that's in Matthew 1, yeah. first chapter of the New Testament. Um. And this actually is a crucial verse in showing like the transition between Old and New Testament and what the Spirit is doing. Um, so Matthew one eighteen, this is standard Christmas verse. Um, actually, I think people usually use Luke for the Christmas verses. Yeah. But, yeah. But Matthew one eighteen, it talks about how um, talks about the origin of Jesus Christ was in this way. His mother Mary. Uh, after she was engaged to Joseph, before they came together, was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit, with child of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 20, it talks about, you know, the angel appears and says, that which has been begotten in her is of the Holy Spirit. And so the reason why these verses are crucial um, is because you see 
the spirit coming in the new Testament, he starts to do a, a more intrinsic work than he did in the old Testament. Mm-hmm. So in the old Testament, he comes upon people, empowers them and he'll leave them a lot of times. Right. And he doesn't do anything inside of them. You know, like typical example is Samson, strong Samson, but he is morally corrupt. He is more corrupt than, or just as corrupt as the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have a union with God. But come Matthew 118, the spirit comes in to beget a child in Mary's womb. He's imparting the divine life into Mary's womb and bringing about the incarnation of God in man. So I don't know. I've just, I think it's a good place to start. It's like the spirit's work in the new Testament is intrinsic and internal. And what he's doing is he's uniting God in his essence with mankind. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, it's a really strange picture because it's, it's like the first time God is, or the spirit is entering into Mary, but it's like in the form of this child, it's not actually Mary herself. Mm. And then, Mm -hmm. and then I think even in Luke, the angel uses the term, the Holy thing. Yeah. It's like, even then it's not, even the angel is like, not sure exactly how to describe it, Mm -hmm. him and what's going on. Mm -hmm. So would you say at this point, it's like the Holy spirit of the old Testament is making somewhat of a transition, but it's not that much different yet. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this is actually like a huge transition okay. in terms of what the Spirit's doing. I, there's definitely going to be a change come post-Jesus's life that we're going to talk about. But um, the point is, this this is the first time in history that the Spirit is uniting with man um, in, in, an, in an essential way meaning God's very nature and life are uniting with man. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is because there's no sin involved, right? Because it's a virgin um, and we don't have to get into exactly how the sinless nature of like, right. Mary's, uh, you know, the, her life, like it, that's for another day to talk about. (laughs) Um, But uh, the fact is God is uniting himself with man for the first time ever. This is like Adam before the tree of life, he screwed up. He didn't take it from it. But here we have a man who is joined to God, who has taken from that, that tree in a sense. Yeah. And it's like God is now one with man and he's coming to live with man. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And it's, yeah. it, this is also the first time where the spirit is not actually in, I mean, well, it's not joined to a full grown man. It's a, it's a child. It's, it's not actually, it's not even a child. It's a, it's a baby in the womb. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. It's really, it's a, yeah, and it, funny. It is interesting, though, because, you know, the spirit, it doesn't mean the spirit's not doing what he did in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So um, he's just doing something else, something new here um, by joining himself with man. So Jesus, we see when he grows up, he becomes a grown man. And when he's 30 years old, he actually goes to the waters, uh, the Jordan, where John's baptizing. And there he receives the spirit, right? You remember that story? The dove comes upon him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And settles down. Um, that, that is actually a continuation of the spirit's function from the old Testament coming down to anoint Jesus for his ministry. Cause Jesus for 30 years now has been doing carpentry and living a normal human life. You know, not to say he's not getting into the word 
and enjoying fellowship and prayer with God, but he's not actively participating in ministry. He's not going out to heal or cast out demons. Right. Um, not until the spirit comes upon him to anoint him. That's what Luke four says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to announce the gospel. Um, so, so he still is doing his old Testament function. The spirit is coming upon Jesus, but Jesus already had the spirit within him in essence, meaning he was begotten of the spirit and he has God's life and nature. He is God himself deep within like in his person to it's really interesting. There's like these two aspects of the spirit upon Jesus uh, from when he's born. And then when he's 30, it's, I, I find it fascinating. Right. And this is like the only time where you see this happening to Jesus. Like every time after this, he is performing his works of power in like oneness with the spirit. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you never see it again where the spirit is falling on him. Do you, right. and, and I guess I have a question. What is there any place? I mean, obviously we have the birth where uh-huh. we see that the spirit is joined to man. But right. then after that, I mean, could you use also the, the story of when he's a child and he's teaching in the temple? That, it, yeah. that it's like almost there's some there's some it's, it's hinting that's like he has some es- essence that knows. I mean. Cause you just don't, we don't have much of his life, but like, is there some, is there some middle ground between his birth and his 30 that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point, you know, cause like, like we're saying, you know, he, he has the spirit within him essentially. And that's this, this is a technical word, like essential meaning God's nature, God's person. He, he's in oneness with God within. Um, but it's interesting. The verse you brought out, like in Luke two, um, it talks about the child 240, the child grew and became strong and being filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Um, and so he, it doesn't say he's clothed with power from on high, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he's inwardly, um, full of the grace of God, the grace of God, which came into him when he was born is, is developing and maturing. And this is a really interesting point, like a nuanced aspect of the spirit in the new Testament is, there's the spirit coming upon people where he kind of like takes over. They're speaking in tongues. They're prophesying over people in like a really outward miraculous way. But there's also this inward aspect of the spirit in life growing in people, manifesting a, a gift that's developed. You could say like, and I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead, but it's like, um, you know, the gifts of shepherding and teaching and, and wisdom and knowledge, these things, they don't come upon people. And it ha- like the spirit doesn't come upon people and just miraculously make it happen. Mm-hmm. It's actually an inward grace that's developed as you grow and as you're, you know, functioning and, and learning, I guess, in that sense. So it's an interesting point though. Cause yeah, he is teaching in the temple, but you don't see works of power outwardly with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which hits the point of the spirit's function in the old Testament, which is what I, yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense where you were getting at in Luke. So Mm-hmm. And so uh, it, the technical term is the, the God's nature and man's nature. They mingled together um, at the, at the incarnation. And, and actually it's interesting. Like the incarnation is what happened to Mary's womb. It's not him being born. He was incarnated nine months prior to him being born. Cause he's, he's in the world right there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so mingling, that's like the two natures coming together. Um, they don't produce a third thing. 
it is the divine and human nature joined in one in one person mm-hmm. um but but that's that's like the technical term he's he's mingled with god this is man mingled with god um and so, and so mingling you're you're using that word to describe incarnation right like right okay yeah yeah there's that's what a lot of the early church fathers use like i have a, a quote that i was looking at from tertullian uh who's a great trinitarian um he says you know t- he took the man talking about like jesus to himself and mingled god and man in himself and so um you know, you see this in type in the Old Testament in Leviticus 2 with the um, meal offering. It's it's flour mingled with oil, oil representing the divine life, flour representing the human life. They're mingled together. Um, that is who Jesus is, really. That's showing a picture of Jesus, right? It's the bread of life. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Based on this quote, is this mingling incarnation, are we saying this? Uh, this is something that has not been a part of God until this mm. happened because he like in the, in the quote, and I know this isn't scripture, but his to Tertullian, to, <laughs> I can't say it. Tertullian. Yeah, I can't say his name. His understanding was not only that God mingled himself, but the quote is right. Mingled God and man in himself. And so it's like, there's this addition. I mean, how, how, how do you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is actually, I mean, it's really, it's nuanced because you know we know god doesn't change in a sense right he's the same yesterday today Mm -hmm. forever but um you know trinitarians for the longest time in order to understand this and understand it properly they've seen there's actually an aspect of god where he is something in eternity past and in his essential being um but he also is manifesting himself in what's called his economy and so there's a difference between the essential and the economic trinity so, you know, he's, he is a certain way in eternity past. He is, he is three in one. He is, um, they're three, um, hypostases, but they're, you know, they all coexist and they, they indwell one another. That's just what it is. And I, I, we don't have to get into it too much, but, um, in his economy though, he joins himself to man and it says the word became flesh in John 1. Yeah. Okay. Good point. It doesn't say that the, the word, join himself to flesh and he's kind of with flesh. It says he became flesh. Mm-hmm. And so we got to reckon with that verse and say, what does that mean? He became flesh. Yeah. You that's know? a good point. Cause even in that passage, it's, it says that the word was with God and the word was God. And then it gets down to the flesh mm-hmm. and it doesn't say that the flesh was with God and was God. It says he became flesh. And so, right. yeah. 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 So we're going to talk a lot about this. Like there's things happening in God's economy where God, in a sense, it seems like he's going through a process. He's, he's, he is in a sense, it seems like he's changing, but it's not him and his essential being changing. It's him in his economy going through this process for man's sake. Um, But that doesn't mean God and the Godhead changes. If that makes sense. It's a little confusing, but um yeah, so I, we, anyways, you, you so, have a picture, right, in the Old Testament of like where we are kind of getting this, I guess, the term mingling or like how it is working. Yeah, I mean, it's with, like I mentioned in Leviticus 2, the meal offering. Got it. Okay. Um, the flour and the oil are mingled together, produces this. Bread. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, 
that doesn't mean that there's not still the oil represented and not still the flower there, but they're, they're mingled together. Um, it, it, it's interesting though, like, you know, this is really what's on God's heart in, in a general sense, like for his purpose, he wants to unite himself to man. Like that is God's purpose to be one with man. He wants to be one with man. Um, and so in a sense with Jesus, that was fulfilled, right? God did join himself to man. Like now man is not just in his image, but he's like fulfilling. Like when, when man was given God's image, that's saying you're supposed to express me and I want you to be filled with me so that you can't express me. It's like showing man's purpose because you're in my image. You are meant to contain me, to be filled with me, be united with me so you can express me. And so with Jesus, that is God's purpose being fulfilled. But God actually doesn't want it to be just with one man. He doesn't want it to be just with Jesus. And so he wants to have a corporate people. And so that's when there's this huge shift that happens after Jesus dies and resurrects, where something really happens with the spirit that I think we should get into now. Um, and so you know, everybody knows about the cross of Christ and how it, it forgives us, or now we're forgiven of our sins. We are, um, our old man's been dealt with, but this other aspect happened when Christ resurrected that people never talk about. And that I think is really worth talking about. Um, and that's in first, uh, first Corinthians fifteen forty five, And so in that verse, it says that, you know, the last Adam, which it's referring to Christ himself became a life giving spirit in his resurrection. The last time became a life giving spirit in his resurrection. And so I, I don't know what your understanding has been in the past will, but this verse really changed my concept because my understanding was, well, when Jesus resurrected, that's great. That shows that we can be saved. And now he's ascended to the throne and now he's there and I need to try and be like him. And then in the future, he'll, you know, when I die, I'll go to heaven or, you know, but is that similar to kind of what you thought, I guess, in the past? Yeah, I did. I mean, I, cause you know, there's the verse where Jesus is on the cross and he says right before he dies, right. He just says it's finished. And right. then, right. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, I'm just like, Okay, well, he did it. He accomplished it. We can receive the spirit, which I still don't, you know, like it. I still didn't understand. And Jesus yeah. is now waiting with the Father. <laughs> and in a way, it's like the Father's in heaven. Now Jesus is in heaven. The Spirit's with us waiting to bring us up to heaven. Right. And it, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Jesus says it's finished and he does ascend mm -hmm. to the Father. But then now right. he also became a life-giving spirit. Yeah. Yeah, I, this is huge because, um, you know, I, I think this just kind of addresses a problem we all have when we're reading the Bible is that we, we read a statement and we, we don't balance it with other statements. And so we, we just kind of take it as the end-all be-all. Like, for example, this verse, it is finished from, uh, you know, what Jesus says when he's on the cross. Um, Later in Revelation chapter 10, verse 7, he, uh, he says, after the seventh trumpet has blown, meaning like the whole revelation scene of God's judgment is happening, 
In verse seven, it says, then the mystery of God is finished. Hmm. And so there's another finished <laughs> that happens in chapter 10, verse seven. And so the question is, what, what exactly was finished on the cross? Because clearly it wasn't everything is finished because there's something else that gets finished in Revelation 10. Um, and so we can't say this is an all-inclusive finished. What was finished is the work of redemption. Our sins are forgiven. But what's not finished is God still doesn't have his church. The body's not built up. The mystery of God is not finished. The four horses have not stopped running. Like there's all these different things we can talk about, but yeah, like that's a good question. Cause it showed like what was finished on the cross was redemption, but there's a lot more that needs to be done. And beca- because it needs to be done, Christ actually transfigured at his resurrection to be the spirit so that he can now take what happened with him in his life and mass produce it in us, in our life. And that's the point. It's like, God doesn't just want this one perfect God, man, Jesus to be his representative. Like he actually imparts the life of Jesus. And I say the life of Jesus very intentionally. It's not, the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's the life of Jesus. He imparts that into us so that now we can live the life of Jesus. Not we can imitate, but we can actually have his very life lived out of us. Yes. Okay. So I'm trying to think exactly because I, I know there's, there's this verse that after Jesus' resurrection, he appears to the disciples and he breathes into them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Right. But, um, but then there's also the outpouring later on in Acts 2. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I guess like going back to your previous point, that breathing, and we kind of talked about it last time, but that, that breathing is not the same breathing that happened in Genesis where the Lord created man. Right. It's a different breathing that actually gives man God's spirit or, or the life of Jesus. And, right. and is that, right. okay. So since we're using the terms, is that breathing the um, essential spirit? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a good point. This is actually, so when we look at the life of Jesus, right, he has the two receivings of the spirit. He has his, his birth and then, um, or his incarnation, and then we have his anointing. And the same way there, like you're saying, like right when Jesus resurrected in John 20, 22, he breathed the spirit into them, the Holy Spirit into them. But then in Acts 2, we see 40 or 50, maybe it's 50. No, it's 40. I forget. 40 or 50 days later, I think it's 50. He then pours out the spirit upon them to anoint them for the ministry. They, they already had the spirit of God within them. Clearly they're praying in the upper room for 10 days. Like non-spiritual men don't do that. Like they were praying in one accord. They are clearly different people than when Jesus was on the earth and they're a bunch of, you know, crazy, like, you know, who's going to get the most exalted place. I don't like you. I don't like you. Uh, they're rebelling against each other. They're denying the Lord. They're, you know, fighting over all these things. We don't have enough bread. Like, they're clearly different people come acts one already because they received the essential spirit, but then the economical spirit hadn't been poured out upon them. Okay. Yeah. But I, I, I want to just emphasize this point though. Again, like 
when Jesus resurrected, he transfigured to become a life-giving spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 15.45. And so that spirit they received in John 20, 22 is actually Christ himself, the pneumatic Christ. It's him. It, it, the spirit is now called the spirit of Jesus. That's Acts 16, 7. It's called the spirit of Jesus. How is it a spirit of a man that's in them? Like, this is crazy. The spirit of Jesus is in them. Like, the same Jesus who was walking on the earth, who had flesh and, and bones and blood. Um, that's, it's his spirit that got inside of them, not just the Holy Spirit of God in a general right. way. Yeah, I mean, so like, in, well, yeah, I was going to say, there are a, a few verses, too, that I guess reinforce the i don't know if you'd say form he's in or the type of person he is now i think form, form. is a great okay. word yeah so right there's john twenty twenty six where the disciples are gathered and right it says it specifically says the doors were locked john john records that the doors were closed yeah and then jesus yeah, yeah, yeah. appears walks through the walls he you know, I, I don't know yeah. if it just is like, I don't know, whatever, just appearing places. But uh, yeah. obviously he's not in his, they see him and they even touch him. So he mm -hmm. is in this physical form, but he can also pass through walls. So there is right. definitely that. It, it, it's it's clear. I mean, well, it's not clear, but it's. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's mysterious, mysterious but yeah, it's. That's right. It's there, you know, like First Corinthians 15 um, earlier, before it talks about the last Adam became a life giving spirit. It talks about like, what kind of bodies will we have when we resurrect? And we know it'll be actually the same type of body, the same form of a body as Christ has. According to First John 3, 2, we will be like him because we'll see him. Um, but that body is described as a spiritual body. Like we don't... I. You know, I, I want to emphasize the fact that we don't we don't float to heaven and become these ghosts that are incorporeal, but we also don't become we're not just flesh and bones when we resurrect. Like this body is is very mysterious, and though it eats food still, it does have the ability to walk through walls, and it has the ability to indwell people. Right? Christ is in us now, according to Colossians one twenty seven. That's not just a a, he's in us via the, the Holy Spirit, who's his representative. Like, no, it says Christ is in you. And if you don't have Christ in you, then you're hopeless. According to Second Corinthians, I think it's 13, 5. Like, we, that is our hope, is the fact that Jesus Christ, that man who lived, is now indwelling us and making his home in our hearts, according to Ephesians 3. Yeah. I mean, and you also can throw the, the Colossians verse in there, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess like, I, I really think this is something that's missed a lot among Christians is, you know, most people just think, you know, Christ kind of just sent this, this ghost, this power from on high to give people these superpowers and to help them to preach the good news 2000 years ago. Like, that's their understanding of the Holy Spirit. He's just this power that comes upon people. And I probably don't experience him like I should, but other people are. And that's great. But like, no, that is not the revelation in the New Testament. The New Testament revelation is Christ was transfigured through his resurrection with a spiritual body. 
to inhabit his believers, join himself to believers and become their new life, their person and their very living. And so like we, like the Christian life is not following the law now and try to imitate Jesus. It's enjoy the very life of Christ in you. And so you can live Christ, just like Paul said in Philippians one, it's like, he's given us a new living, a new person, a new creation. Like, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just like, it was, this was such a revelation to me when I first heard it. And I don't know what better way to communicate it. You know, like, does that, does that make sense? Like the way it's coming? No, off, exactly. I, I think it does. Because I always had the thought of, man, it would have been so nice to be the disciples and be oh, there totally. with Jesus. And like, man, they had it so good. And I can't believe the mistakes they made. <laughs> you know, like I would have <laughs> right. never done that. But yeah, seeing this, that Jesus is the spirit, we're, we really are much closer to him than the disciples were. The fact wow. that he's indwelling wow. us. And right. now he's taken over our, I mean, it really, he's spreading into our whole being. I mean, we have a, our conscience, right. is, our conscious, conscience is changing the things we're convicted about, um, mm-hmm. the things that we feel, you know, I mean, like even the fact mm-hmm. of Jesus weeping and being moved with compassion, it's like when the Lord starts advancing in us and um, changing us and transforming us, like we get these feelings for people that are just grieving or or even being righteously angry at something like, and that's something that the disciples didn't have when they were with him. You know, Jesus is having all these emotions, but they don't not until much later (laughs) on, you know, when they do have him indwelling them, but that's a great point. I've thought the same thing. Like I I wish I was with Christ back with the disciples day, but yeah, it's much better. We have a much better Christ now. And the only reason we might not feel like that's true is because we just don't experience him. We're not open to him. And so like now in our Christian life, we, the goal is to open your heart to Christ, be in fellowship with him and allow him to take over more parts of our being. So yeah, then we can have him as our very living. That's a, yeah. Changing our emotions, changing our feelings, changing the way we think. Like I want that. Like I, I'm, I, very glad that I don't have to develop into this, you know, you know, the, my father, my earthly father, like, I'm not going to grow up and be just like him. Actually, I'm going to grow up and actually be like my heavenly father. If I allow this life to grow in, you know? Yeah. And it is, it's something that I know a lot of times we think it's maybe not attainable to do this, but you know, we look at some verses that Paul talked about in Right, totally. Galatians two and Philippians, where he talks about living Christ, dying to himself. Right. You know, like this is something that that we need to strive for and attain for, and almost grasp at and be. <laughs> and you know, and this is this is even where like our convictions come in when we fail. Like we obviously mm. can't attain these things in our current situation, but right. we're still running a race. And asking the Lord right. to change us. And yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's good. Okay. Maybe we could stop here, but I mean, yeah, just hope this would help people realize like Jesus is living in you. Like that, that's the main point. Jesus is in you. Right. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, 
I look forward to, I, I guess we'll decide on a topic for next week, but I, I enjoy yes, it. Yes. I, I, and um, yeah. Uh, okay. I'll, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in again to another episode of What Does the Bible Say About That? If you want to donate, you can go to wedonttakeyourmoney.com.net.gov.org. You'll probably find the same thing, um, you know, wherever you go. Sorry, just a bad, it's just a bad joke. Um, if you want to stay up to date with future episodes, you can follow us at the Bible Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You can also send us an email at thebiblepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any type of feedback, positive, negative questions. We'd love to hear it all. Um, It'll help us do better in the future and maybe even come up with some some more topics. So thanks for tuning in again. Can't wait to share another episode with y'all. Have a good week.